Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Luke chapter 17, verse 11, if you're ready, somebody say, yeah. Here we go. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him, somebody say 10, 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. So it was that they went, as, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, how many? One of them. When he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a, can I get in trouble a little bit? He was an immigrant. He was an outsider. He wasn't a citizen and and he wasn't welcomed since he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but there are, where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give God glory except this foreigner? He said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful for your presence in this place. Not for a moment, not for a minute, have you forsaken us, God. Not only have you not forsaken us, God, but you've blessed us. You've been good to us. And God, we are grateful. We are thankful for your presence in our lives. And God, we pray even now that you would speak to us. God, that you transform our lives. That you take us one step closer to the perfect plan that you have for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Before we sit down, can you high five three people? Come on, tell somebody around you. I'm so grateful you're sitting next to me. Come on, tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody. I am, I am so grateful. On uh, on this last Sunday of the year, I uh, I, I want to unpack a subject that if you can get a grasp of this subject, it will set you apart from the majority of people. I was gonna say on earth, but can I say even the majority of Christians? Is that okay? I don't normally, y'all know what like subtexting and subtweeting and all that other good stuff? It's basically when you, you're, you're, you're sending a message to certain people, but you don't name those people, you know what I mean? You're just like, it's supposed to sound like it's just general, but you have specific people in mind. I, I don't preach those messages. That's not good as a preacher to, to you know, send a message to one or two or 50,000 people. 
people uh, through a message. You should preach what God's laid on your heart, and I do that mostly uh, today included, but today is 100% a sub uh, message. Uh, preach to a particular uh, group of people, not the people here, because uh, you're here, but um, yes, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. I want to teach you, I want to teach you a principle, and I, I, I don't even, I don't even want to d- d- downplay it or, or anything like that. By the end of the message, you're going to figure out how major this is. And, and uh, I'm not trying to hype this up, but I'm just trying to give it to you the way that God laid it on my heart, that if you can get a hold of this principle, it will set you apart from even other believers. There's certain people in scripture, David being one of them, David was a worshiper and God called David a man after my own heart. So that, that, that's the person that I'm attracted to. Moses was another one. God was talking to Aaron and Moses' sister, and they said, why, why is it that Moses gets to be the leader? And, and God says, everybody else, I speak to them in, in visions and dreams. Moses, I speak to face to face. Moses is favored. Somebody say favored. If you can get a hold of this principle that I'm going to teach you today, I'm telling you there is favor that is going to come upon your life. As we're heading into 2020, I don't know about you, any goal setters? Am I the only one? Like, I, I, I mean, I've enjoyed these last few days off. I'm jotting down goals and visions and dreams. And, and it's not just important to set goals and to look into the future. It's also very important to look back in the past. Come on now. Anybody humble enough to say you made some mistakes in 2019 that you don't intend on making in 2020? Am I the only person who screwed up three out of the 12 months this year who said some things I wasn't going to say, put my 10 and a half foot all the way down my throat, all that good stuff? It's important to look back and to say, hey, what do I want to do differently? How do I want to change? How do I want to be more gracious or whatever it may be? It's important to look forward. It's important to look back and to make changes, but I'd like to submit to you before we get into this new year, before we look forward, before we even make plans, it's important to say thank you. It's important to go back and to say, God, before I ask you for anything else, before I complain about this or that, before I jot down a vision board, I just want to take a moment, God, and say thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for leading me. Thank you that the goals that I wrote down in 2018, some of them came to pass in 2019. Thank you that some of the fears that I had did not come to pass. God, I'm grateful. God, I'm thankful. Is there any grateful people in this room? This should scare you. God was not as impressed with one's gratitude as he was appalled by the lack of gratitude of the other nine. It's almost as if he expected them to come back. And when they did not come back, he said, what happened? What's going on? Are you the only one that has returned? I'm telling you, when you have a heart of gratitude, you get the attention of God. And, and this is just this is last Sunday of the year, so I'm just going to just be real direct. Most people aren't grateful. 
Most people don't express their gratitude to other people. They don't express their gratitude to the God. I, I, I was raised, my parents, you know, raised me to be a gentleman. I like to think that I'm a gentleman. I, I open doors and I, you know, I, I pull out chairs and all that other good stuff. And any other gentleman in the room, any other gentleman in the room, gentlemen, not, not many of you, not many of you, but that's okay. God's still working on you. Uh, it's, it's hard being a gentleman in 2019. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe 2020, it might get a little better. I got hope. I got faith. But 2019, it's a little hard because, you know, you, you, you hold a door for people, and one of two things happens. They either like, I could hold the door myself, just like I didn't say you couldn't, but, or they'll say nothing. And it's like if I'm going into the mall, and I, I mean, I don't, who goes to the mall anymore anyway? If you're going, you're on a mission. You go, you do what you got to do. It's usually a return. You lost the mail-in slip, so you can't mail it back or whatever it may be, and you go right back home. You're on your mission, ear pods in your ears. It's the universal message. Don't talk to me. I did not come to socialize. There's nobody on my phone, but I'm just leaving them in here so that you know I didn't come to talk to you. You're making your way. You, you, you found a parking space and you still love Jesus. That right there is evidence of the favor of God on your life. Maybe you prayed in tongues and someone backed up right when you pulled in. Favor, look at the Lord. You're on your mission, you walk through the door and, and you notice out of your peripheral vision that somebody's walking behind you and, and you're like, you know what, let me, let me be a gentleman. And you, you open the door and you stand there like that and, and I'm not gonna be sexist, but sister walks through, or brother, doesn't really matter. And they walk on by, they don't look at you, they don't acknowledge you, they don't say anything. Like, oh, they just didn't see me. They thought the door was automatic, you know. <laughs> but every mall, it's a double door. So you let that door go. They go to reach it, and you go, and you grab the door, and you open it. And, and pray for me. I'm a pastor, but God's still working on me, right? And I've learned to, to give and not just to receive. So sometimes when people don't say thank you, I say it for them. <laughs> so they walk on. Thank you. <laughs> Am I the only one? People just, it's amazing if you have little kids, you know, you're a one-year-old, a two-year-old, three-year-old, you know, you wake up, my, my, my Roman, he's a lot like me, he wakes up in the morning and, and I say, good morning, Roman. He's like, mm. <laughs> did you have a good sleep? Milk. <laughs> and we've learned, we have this agreement. I'm actually, my wife says, go pick up Roman. I said, no, his milk isn't warm yet. I'm not going in there. I don't want to mess with that kid. I know you come in with a peace offering or you don't come in at all. So I'll pick him up, <laughs> milk. <laughs> and I'll hand him his milk and he'll take it. And he'll, he'll pull it and I won't let it go. <laughs> and he'll pull it and I won't let it go. And I said, Roman, what do you say? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We, 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 we try to teach our young ones to say thank you. But yet, as we get older and older and older, it could be something that's missing from our own vocabulary. Not just from other people, but from the God that we serve. I want to just give you just three quick things, three quick things that I've learned about gratitude. The first thing is this, time, time, time can steal gratitude. Here it is, there's, there's 10 men that have leprosy, and, 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 and I don't even know how to describe leprosy outside of it was that. Leprosy was like AIDS in the 90s. 
Nobody understood it. Nobody could knew, knew what to do with it. It was incurable. It, 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 well, you, you were an outcast. Matter of fact, back then when you had leprosy, you were immediately quarantined. You were not allowed to be around your family. You were not allowed to be in the city gates. They would have these lepers camps outside of the gates where they would literally sit out there, hear me, and wait to die. That was the situation that these 10 lepers were in. It was confusing. It was difficult because in order to be cleansed of leprosy or in order to be let back into the community, you had to show yourself to the priest. But you couldn't show yourself to the priest because you weren't allowed in the city gates. So you were literally in a situation where there was no hope. Here comes Jesus walking by, and these lepers cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and unlike anybody else, Jesus stops. Hear me. When nobody understands, Jesus understands. When you feel like you're in a position that nobody gets it, nobody sees it, nobody can understand me, maybe you find yourself in that position right now where you have bought the lie. It is a lie, but we buy the lie. I'm the only one on planet Earth that understands what I'm going through. Jesus understands. And he stops and he looks at them and they say, Jesus, can you heal us? And you know me, I always like to change this story just to make us think. Imagine if Jesus had healed them right then. He didn't say, go, go show yourself to the priest because the Bible says on the way they were healed. Somebody say time. On the way they were healed. But imagine if Jesus had just stretched out his hand, touched them, and they were healed instantly. Are you imagining that? Imagine if they didn't say thank you in that moment. Do you know how awkward that would be? Jesus, can you heal me? Be healed. I'm healed. Cool. Huh? It would have never happened. If they had been healed in that moment, if it had been an instantaneous miracle, they would have said thank you in that moment. What happened was time stretched their miracle out. And because time stretched their miracle out, they forgot the thank you that they would have said if it was instantaneous. There's certain things that if God does instantaneously in our lives, we're grateful and we feel like it was a miracle, but because it took two months or three months or six months or two years, we, we've caught amnesia and we've lost that same gratitude. You ever notice how the further away a story gets, the more it changes? Is that just my family? Like, you, you'll tell a story this year, here's the story. Like, for example, me and my dad and my brothers, this is probably about 10 years ago. We were on a family vacation in, in, in um, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, and we went playing, we played golf. And it's so funny, because this is like the biggest story in us guys in the Chandler homes. I even remember the golf course, it was Tupelo Golf Course. I remember which hole it was, but all of us were we, were, we were, we were horrible golfers. Like, we golfed by faith, not by sight. <laughs> Our idea of a good round of golf is when we had three of the 24 balls that we started off with. If we could leave with some, we were doing well. And, and it was this one hole, and my dad just hit the most amazing drive for all my non-golfers. It means when he hit it from the tee box, it landed close to the flag. Supposed to take about three strokes to get there. He got it there in one. And he's about 20 feet away from the flag, had a 20-foot putt for his eagle putt. Now, I can't explain golf to you. Eagle is good, okay? Just pigeon is bad, eagle is good. Birdie's okay, eagle's great. 
So he lines up for this putt, and we're all, I mean, we knew this was the moment. We are cameras out. We were, if he nails this putt, he, he comes back, he, he leans into it, and I mean, it's rolling, and he sinks a 20-foot putt for an eagle on that hole. We went crazy. We nearly got kicked off the golf course. There goes the neighborhood. Who let them? Like, it was all of that. We're yelling. We're screaming. We're doing donuts in the golf cart where we're not supposed to drive. It was a mess. That was 10 years ago. Three years later, I was talking to my dad. He said, remember that 60-foot putt I hit? I said, what 60-foot putt? I'm telling you. I mean, I putted that. It was rolling for like 10 minutes. You talk to him today. He putted it from the tee box. It was a 300-yard putt. There is something about a story that the further, the, the more time you get away from that story, the more details change. It's amazing how the longer we're saved, the less we're grateful for the cross. Come on now, I'm preaching on this last Sunday of 2019. Isn't it amazing how the day you got saved, oh, you were a mess. Oh, you were jacked up. Oh, you were suicidal. You had left, come to the end of your means. You, you didn't know what to do. There was an emptiness. There was a sickness. There was a nausea when you were thinking about the state that you were in. And all of a sudden, you've been saved for five years or 10 years or 15 years. And you know, you know it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, God, God's been good. And yeah, we start saying things like, I grew up in church. I mean, I, I've always, you ever heard this foolishness? I've always believed in God. I just never really gave him my all. No, 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 no. The Bible says that we were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions before we knew Christ. Can I tell you when I get scared? I get scared when, when I begin to think about the salvation and the grace of God on my life and tears don't roll down my face. I get scared when I begin to think about how good God has been to me, and it does nothing to me. Because I know that in that moment, my heart is starting to get hard, and I'm starting to become entitled and become cavalier with what God is doing in my life. And hear me, I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for healing. I'm grateful for everything. But the greatest thing that God has ever done for me is hung on a cross and shed his blood so that every jacked up mistake that I made cannot be held against me, but is literally erased. And I've learned that the second I lose gratitude for the cross, everything else is just a matter of time before I start taking credit for my success and then I start shaving the blame on him. That's why David, after he had the greatest sin of his life, when he repented and came back to Christ, he said, God, can you restore the joy he said this in Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Somebody say, preach a little bit. He said, grant me the joy of salvation and give me a willing spirit. Somebody say, joy, willing. Joy, willing. If you're lacking joy in your walk with Christ, you're not going to be very willing to submit to his spirit. Hmm? Can I preach to Stephen and not to you? 
When you're struggling with, am I going to let God lead me? And am I going to let him direct me? Am I going to submit my way to his way? And am I going to let him lead my life? If that is your struggle, your real struggle is gratitude for the cross. Because when, when, when you have a gratitude for the fact that I was on my way to hell, I was living an empty, separated, broken life, but yet he pursued me. When I spat in his face, he's pursued me. When I turned my back on him, he pursued me until finally I came to the point when I surrendered to him. He has transformed me. He has called me. And to think he didn't just die for me, but he had a plan and a purpose and a destiny for my life. It's only reasonable that I would lay my life down. It's only reasonable reasonable that I would use my life to give him glory. It's only reasonable that I would allow him to call the shots to make the, listen, when I lose sight of the cross, willingness leaves. And there's something about time that begins to change the, the, the story in my mind. That's why for Israel, God instructed them to make sure that you build altars. If you read throughout the Old Testament, I don't know how they got anywhere in the Old Testament. Because they would walk for like two minutes, it rained. Let's build an altar unto the God, the God of rain. And they would put all these stones and they would worship God. We're thankful, we're grateful for the rain. And they would go on, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the Red Sea would part and they'd build an altar there. They defeated the Philistines and they would build an altar there. Are you picturing this? An altar, not, not a big structure, but just rocks piled high on each other. And here's why they would do this. They said, because years later, when we're walking through that same field with our children, and they said, Dad, what's that pile of rocks over there? One or two things would happen. They'd either start laughing or they'd start crying. Dad, why are you crying? Let me tell you, son. When I was surrounded by the enemy, I had no way out. And I am telling you, God stepped in that situation and he brought freedom, he brought joy, he defeated the enemy. I wish I had some people that built some altars around some moments in your life when God came through for me. Dad, why are you crying? Listen, because you didn't know this, we didn't tell you this, but five years ago, your dad lost his job. We had no income and nobody in the family would have known because God sustained us and he made sure that we had everything that we need and matter of fact when I got another job it paid more gave me more time off and more of a blessing than the one that I lost it is so important that we build memorials to remind ourselves how good God has been to us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me Anybody ever thought how foolish that verse is? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David didn't grow up where I grew up. Because where I grew up, rods and staffs did not bring comfort. They brought correction, <laughs> discipline. Anybody, you, 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 your parents would give you the speech before you got whooped? It's, I'm doing this because I love you. No, you don't. This is not love. You're enjoying this way. I'm like, how can a rod and a staff? And, and, and here's what David meant. For a Jewish shepherd, his staff was his journal. 
And he would take a knife and he would etch an emblem into that staff every time God did something great in his life. So when David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, what he was saying is when I look at my staff and I see the lion that God has defeated and rescued me from and the bear that he defeated and rescued me from and that cancer that he defeated and rescued me from and that depression and those suicidal thoughts or whatever it may be, when I think about the goodness of God and what he's done for me. It brings comfort. It brings peace. Don't let time steal your gratitude. Can I tell you a story and then I'll tell you a story? You ready for the story? Here's the story. The building that we're sitting in right now is a miracle from God. We needed a million dollars to be able to move into this building. We raised 250,000, which was the largest offering we had ever received as a church in our lives. Four weeks later, a church that was in this building called us up and said, hey, we've put $800,000 worth of renovations into this building. We just need to walk away from it. Would you like it? Eight plus 2.5 is what? 1.05, something like it. It's a million dollars, y'all. In four weeks, God did a miracle and we receive what should have taken us two years. Somebody say that's a miracle. Can I tell you another story? For the next 10 months after that miracle, attorneys fought, contracts fell apart, the deal was dead three different times, and we did not take possession of this building for another 12 months. It didn't feel like a miracle. It felt like, are we forcing this? Is this really God? If this was God, it would have happened. What is this? What is that? What's going on? Me and my wife, this is 2017. We're in Israel touring the Holy Land, and I'm not even thinking about Israel because I'm on the phone at one in the morning back here in the States with this attorney and this contractor and this permanent office, and, and it was miserable. And because it took so long, I could be confused and think that it wasn't God, it wasn't a miracle, but I'm telling you, there's some miracles that are on your way. Show yourself to the priest-type miracles, and just because it takes a little bit of time, don't you dare lose sight of the one who made it all happen. The second thing is this, and you can write this down. Gratitude leads to happiness. Just random things that I've learned about gratitude. Gratitude leads to happiness. Stuff doesn't lead to happiness. Gratitude leads to happiness. And notice I said happiness, not joy. God leads to happiness. No, God leads to joy. Come on now, there's a difference. Joy is a fullness, a fulfillment, a contentment, a, a, a peace, an elation, regardless of the circumstances around you. Happiness is, this is lit. <laughs> this, this is not joy. This is, this is happiness. I, I'm loving life right now. You know you can have joy and not love life. <laughs> I'm full of joy. This just really stinks right now. No, no. Happiness. Happiness is something like, man, if I could live that day over again, come on now, Christmas every day, if I could do that over and over again, gratitude leads to happiness. This is just me thinking into the story. You have 10 lepers literally with an incurable disease. All of them are healed. One of them goes back to say thank you. What were the other nine thinking? Can I give you some options? Can't believe it took us this long to get healed. You know how much time we've lost with our family? My goodness. Man, we got out of that one by the skin of our teeth. 
I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get my career back where it was before I caught this disease. Oh, goodness, I wonder, I wonder if I get plastic surgery and get these scars off. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be marked for life. <sighs> Lost my best years. It depends on how you look at it. Because you can look at the same situation that can be a tragedy, and you can see God's hand all over it, or you could see all that you lost. You, you, you guys are probably tired about hearing about my mom, but that's all right. You come to my church, you can hear about her every single Sunday. If you haven't heard, my mom passed away six years ago. She was diagnosed with cancer. They gave her three months to live. She lived for another 15 years. Your mom passed away. God's a healer. Your mom passed away. No, God's a healer. Your mom passed away. She had three months. God gave her 15 years. Yeah. Pastor, are you heartbroken? Yeah. But I'm grateful. Because when they gave her three months, her kids were like six to 16. Five of us. Imagine five kids under 16 losing their mom. It was rough but not as rough as it could be. God extended her life for another 15 years. Most of us were adults, able to take care of the ones that weren't. I'm in my right mind. I still love Jesus. I've seen his hand of faithfulness and mercy and grace. I'm just, I'm just weepy. On the last Sunday of the year, I was there worshiping. I watched my brother playing drums and, and my other brother playing guitar and thought about their beautiful wives and their amazing children and how God is blessing them and how we're loving Jesus and running after God. And that's not the story for everybody who looks like me, who came from where I came from. I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. And I've discovered that when I'm grateful, there's a happiness that comes with me. Pastor, I got diagnosed with the disease. Are you still alive? Are you still breathing? Do you still have an opportunity? Is there still a God? Is there still favor on your life? It depends on how you look at it. And if you just, there, I need to lay hands on people and just free you from this Eeyore spirit of just, I mean, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. You know, it's winter. My bones hurt when it's cold outside. You know it's summer, and oh, it's so hot, you know. I'm sweating my lights out. It's just crazy. It's, it's just, be quiet. I really want to say shut up, but I can't. I just did. Like, you have to decide, I'm going to be grateful. I hate my boss. You have a job. There's too much work on my plate. You'll never be unemployed. <laughs> can't stand the people that I work with. You have people that you work with? Gratitude. 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 My wife is ungrateful. You have a wife? Because some people's wife passed away. I can't stand my 16-year-old boy. He thinks he, he hung the sun in the sky. Some people would kill for a 16-year-old boy. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. 
I'm grateful. Stop waiting for your life to change to be happy. And start looking for what God is doing in the season you are in right now. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. New International Stephen Version. Get excited when life stinks because you know that God is up to something and he's preparing you for something. Hey, y'all, we're launching Baltimore County. February 9th. It's going to be great. Hundreds of people are going to come. Lives are going to be getting turned. Can I just give you a snapshot into a pastor's life? I am looking for the warfare before we launch. And don't worry, it's there. I don't, I don't preach about it, but it's there. I'm nervous if there's no warfare. Because if there's no warfare before we take territory for the kingdom of God, it must mean that the enemy is not really concerned about the territory that we're taking. And if he's not concerned, it must not be advancing the kingdom of God. So when everything's all hunky-dory, I get nervous because it means I'm on the right track. It's when deals start falling through. It's when I start hearing no's and doors start slamming and this yes turns into this and there's problems and there's drama. I've been... I'm going to be like an old preacher. You got to be in the faith long enough to be able to recognize how the kingdom of God and how the spiritual world works. When you're immature in your faith, you want life to be easy. No problems, no issues. I just want it to be a cakewalk. But when you've walked with God a little bit, when you have a couple stripes on your belt, when you've tested and proven that he's good, you start realizing that the more drama there is, the more God is setting me up for something that's above and beyond anything that I can ever ask, think, or imagine. When I was an immature Christian and my prayers didn't get answered quickly, I would be upset. I would say things like, God's forgotten about me. God's abandoned me. God said no to me. But now I know the longer it takes for that prayer to be answered, it just means it's bigger than I thought it was. It means my prayers are too small. There is something major that I'm on the horizon of. You have to learn how to see every situation with gratitude. And when you do that, happiness will be a state of life, not a momentary experience. Last thing is this. Favor follows gratitude. Favor. Favor follows gratitude. So only one leper came back to say thank you. Gratitude is only gratitude when it's expressed. Gratitude is only gratitude when it's expressed. Don't give me a show of hands because this is a rhetorical question. But how many people think that the 10 lepers wanted to stay sick? They didn't want to be healed. Of course they wanted to be healed. They wouldn't have asked to be healed if they didn't want to be healed. They wanted to be healed. How many people think that the 10 lepers were all grateful that they were? They were grateful. They were grateful. It's just only one felt the need to express that gratitude. And I don't want to beat up the other nine. They're not here to defend themselves. They were probably just so overwhelmed that they hadn't seen their family in so many years. They just ran off and they forgot. But forgetfulness is the same thing as not being grateful. Gratitude is not gratitude unless it's expressed. Can we take a commercial break? 
I don't know how many days you got. What, three, three days to the end of the year? Can you spend some time expressing gratitude to some humans? God, I'm so grateful. Yeah, he's great. We'll get to him in a second. But how about your spouse? Thank you. It's been a rough year. I'm just grateful. Grateful for what? Grateful for you. Come on now. Go mess your 16-year-old up. Go tell him you're grateful for him. Daddy, are you sick? <laughs> are you okay? Am I in trouble? Come on now. Go tell your boss you're grateful. <laughs> if you could find them. <laughs> They'll be back next week. Come on now. Come on, tell those two friends that have been loyal to you through all your craziness. I'm grateful you've had my back. I'm grateful you're the one that tells me the truth. I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. Only one came back and expressed his gratitude. And look how God responded in Luke chapter 17, verse 18. He says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Can I just be a preacher? I told you I'll sub-preach. Stop, stop, stop taking Sundays off. Stop taking Mondays off. Stop skipping days in which you express your gratitude to God. Let me, let me be your pastor for a second. You know, that rod and thy staff, let me comfort you real quick. <laughs> when you forget to show gratitude, you're missing out. You have no idea what you're missing out on. He said, were there not anyone else to give glory to God except this person who should not have come back? I wish I had time to explain to you how Samaritans and Jews, they did not mix. Oh, America's a racist country. We're doing racism ain't new. <laughs> it just got a different color. <laughs> it's always been this way. And this is the one person who should not have. I'm not saying thank you to them. Hmm? He said, was there nobody else who came in? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. That word well is the word sozo, which is our word for salvation. Ten lepers were healed of a skin disease. One received eternal life. When he said, go your way, your faith has made you well, he wasn't talking about the skin disease. He was talking about the soul disease. There's another word that they use for physical healing. So-so only speaks to the spirit. What Jesus really said is, wow, you came back. The only reason you came back is because you truly believe that I am the son of God. Your faith has removed sin from your life, and you will be with me in eternal life forever. Listen to me. There is a double blessing for those who live with a heart of gratitude. God is looking for people that don't have this entitled Christianity, that think that God exists for us to meet our needs and our pleasures and our wishes and our desires and to get us, us out of our jams. No, 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 no. We exist for you, God, and we are grateful and we are thankful and we honor you and we bless you and we are blown away. If all you had done was die on the cross and after that said you are on your own, it would have still been more than we ever deserved. But you said in your word, have I not freely given you my son? Will I not give you all things? 
when you become a person like that, God's like, oh, bless them again. Oh, bless them again. Bless them again. Bless them again. Bless them again. Give them more. Give them more. Matter of fact, the Bible says it will be taken from those who think they have and given to those that are faithful with what they have. We had Christmas and you know, my kids are three and they're 18 months and they don't really understand how Christmas works. So they went to bed perfectly Christmas Eve. They're like, can we open presents? I'm like, no. They said, okay. <laughs> went to sleep, woke them the next morning and they ripped open their gifts. Daddy, thank you. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. I was all emotional. I was, you know, I was that dad. I was so excited. You know what I did? I went to the store yesterday. I said, hey, babe, there's a couple of gifts I forgot for the kids. I, I'm going to just go grab them a few more things. I went to the store, and I, you know, I just this one toy I wanted to get her, and I couldn't find it, and they had it, and I put it in the cart. This last night. And then I saw another toy and put it in the cart, and, oh, this is really cool. I always wanted one of those. <laughs> oh, that's cool. This is the next thing I know, the cart's stacked this high. I was that dad, and I don't even care. I went to the cash register like, whoa, somebody forgot Christmas. They were judging me. You deadbeat dad, you forgot Christmas. I ain't even correct him. No, this is is round two. I came home, I handed the receipt to my wife. I said, don't even worry about it. It took me three trips to get everything in the house. Then I said, Zoe, Roman, come and say, Daddy, what? I said, I got you some more gifts. And Zoe said, oh my gosh, this is so special, Daddy. She's into like big words right now. Dad, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Roman is like, oh my gosh. And then he wanted her toys and she wanted his toys and it all fell apart after that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if I be an evil father, doubles gifts when gratitude is expressed. How much more your heavenly father that says, I want to throw open the windows of heaven and literally pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Not my words, his words. And he's just looking for a person that you'll never be satisfied with what's next because you're so overwhelmed with what's now. And I'm telling you, if you would have a heart of gratitude towards God, you are gonna see blessings and favors and miracles and peace and joy in your life like never before. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that you are a good, good Father and you give good, good gifts. And if you don't ever do anything for us again, if you never answer another prayer, you already have done more than we could spend a lifetime saying thank you. But God, we're going to try to pour our love and our gratitude and our thanksgiving unto you. God, we're grateful not for stuff. We're grateful for you. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. I encourage you in this moment and even as you go home, just spend some time. Write some stuff down that you're grateful for. Write some names, write some events, write some car accidents that didn't happen. Write some sicknesses that didn't take you out. Write some healings that God sustained. Just take some time to to pour gratitude out on God. Maybe you're in here and 
You've never expressed gratitude for the cross. Maybe you didn't even understand that it was your sin that separated you from God for eternity. But he literally laid on a cross and died a criminal's death just so that you can be forgiven. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I've never truly can say that I've received Jesus, the forgiveness of the cross in my life, but I want to. That's you right where you're sitting. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm grateful that you thought about me before I ever knew you. I'm grateful for the cross that gives me hope, that gives me healing, that gives me salvation. Be my Lord and my Savior. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. I want to pray something different. If you're in here and you are a Christian, if you'd be honest, you'd say, I've lost the joy of salvation. I can't say that I get giddy, I get excited just about the fact that he's my Lord. But I'm telling you, he can restore that in your heart. If that's you, can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for life. Thank you for my salvation. Today, I'm asking that you would restore the joy of when I first believed and put in me a willing spirit to submit to you. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can this church take about 30 seconds and express some gratitude unto God for his goodness, for his mercy, for his grace? Come on now. Can we have church for a second and just thank God? God, we honor you. God, we magnify you. God, we worship you. God, we adore you. God, we declare that you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And God, we are grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your favor. We're grateful for your mercy. We are grateful for you in our lives. God, we're grateful. And we give you the glory. Somebody shout hallelujah in this place. God is good. Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.